Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Isaiah chapter 55, please. I probably shouldn't preach this since Tracy started down this road. But I'm going to anyway. I'm glad. You know, you're in ministry for a long time. And what you really hope is that God ministers to your family. And, and so not that I'm a high maintenance kind of guy. But I really do enjoy when my wife says to me, that was real good. And I go, okay, thanks. And then when she spends the whole week, which she's kind of done this week, and processing and talking out loud about it, I thought, great, because I, I want to help you guys too. But how many of you recognize that one of the most important things I have as a priest is the priest of my family? And, and so I love it when they get it. Amen? We've been talking about the promise of God that keeps producing. The principle that we're talking about is seed time and harvest. Genesis chapter 8 tells us, while the earth remains... Seed time and harvest shall not cease. There are other things there, but I'm just focusing on that. That's the promise that keeps on producing. Now, let me talk about the specifics of what you're, some of you as farmers are going through right now. Because you put seed in the ground naturally, and now a hailstorm came in some of your cases and mowed down some of it. And it's a terrible tragedy, and it looks horrible. And you can look at that. But remember, you didn't just plant a physical seed you planted a spiritual seed as well. You weren't going to, you, you shouldn't have been trusting the corn for your provision. You should be trusting the principles of God from your, for, for your provision. Nothing has changed about that. We're still trusting God. You say, but it looks terrible. Stop looking at it. Unless you can see it through God's eyes, there's a reason I'm a pastor, okay? I grew up in an in a agri-economy, and I could have, you know, sold tractors or, or got a farming job or whatever. I helped Tracy's dad uh, uh, for, for a while while we were going together because um, she was hot on my trail, and so that's how that worked. And, and <laughs> uh, I crack myself up sometimes. <laughs> And so anyway, I'm not, I'm not cut out for that. I'm not wired for that. And so I know that, that I, shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't tread in to where you've spent your life trying to figure out how God works. But please be encouraged by this. If you're looking too much at the devastation and the destruction to the point that it affects your will, your intellect, your emotions, your soul, where you just feel your shoulders rounded over, remember... The seed that you put in the ground was not just the physical seed, but rather the seed of provision that God says is how I'm going to do it. And so that hasn't changed. Isaiah chapter 55, look with me if you will, please, at the eighth verse. It says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my way, says the Lord. Listen, God does things different than we do. He thinks differently than we do. You probably should figure out how to cooperate with how he thinks. Right? So that when it doesn't go the way you want it to, you're not in a puddle of emotions somewhere sometime. What are we going to do? You're going to trust God. Thanks, Pastor. Good word. Let's go home. That's the issue. His ways aren't ours. And if you're, here, if you're hearing me say that I'm saying that God did this to you, you're mishearing that. We live in a world that has been affected by sin 
And occasionally, I told her, get the Sunday school deal, you can see the whole tilt of the axis and the creation thing I gave him. And so you can go pick that up, let me keep moving. He says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher. It only implies or suggests or says that God's ways work on a different plane than ours. The only way for our ideas to work is for them to work on a horizontal level in the world. But there are some things that work spiritually. They work vertically like this that makes what happens to us and how we live unexplainable to the average person. I mean, just think of it. I always like to use our church as this picture because what crazy person builds a church two miles from the nearest town of about 100 people in the middle of a cow pasture and says, this is a good idea. It's not a good idea. Who does this? God does things like that. You can look at your finances and you can say, but there's nothing in the, in the checkbook. Just hang on for a second. God thinks different than you do. And sometimes his thinking will actually get over onto you and you'll think differently. Because oftentimes the problem is not God. <laughs> my ways are higher than yours. My thoughts higher than yours. Yes, God, your thoughts are higher than mine. Who would have thought that God would have, would have put into play that giving would produce a result? If you give something away, it will produce a fruit. Who would have thought that? God. It doesn't make any sense naturally. Naturally, you should hold on to every dime that you have. I mean with a passion, man. If you got a dime... But see, what happens is we give it away before we realize what we're giving it to. Come on, think about it. Take a visual, imaginary look at your bank ledger and go down those checkbook entries till you get to Netflix. You say... Well, that's not a bad deal. I don't care if you have Netflix, but do not complain to me about not having any money. Because right now, the average American has almost $10,000 worth of credit card debt. The average American pays over $150 a month for entertainment that they completely ignore while they go out and spend money on movies and going out to eat. You're already giving your stuff away. You're planting seeds in a worldly system. If you want to have $100 worth of TV, I, honestly, I don't care. I really don't. But if you'd like me to do the math for you, $1,000 a year for cable over 40 years is $40,000. You can either give it to them or you can pay yourself. I don't know. Your call. His ways aren't our ways unless we assess his ways and begin to cooperate. That's what God's trying to get us. And we've learned that deception. I mean, how many of you have been deceived by you deserve a break today? I mean, come on. You deserve a break today. Okay. Who thought it would be a good idea 
to think that McDonald's, sorry if you're a McDonald's fan, just, you know, la, 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 uh, that that was my break. Why didn't, like, Ruth Chris Steakhouse come up with that jingle? Because I deserve that break. Right? I deserve a $60 ribeye. Praise the Lord. And a $12 baked potato. And a $17 broccoli casserole. And a $26 appetizer that has two little scallops and some pickled watermelon rind. Boy, was it pretty. But you're going to die if that's what you eat and that's all you eat is two little scallops because you've got to share them with your wife. And she ate hers. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? You're already planting those seeds. You just didn't realize that you're planting them in the world. And then you complain when God doesn't meet your needs. I got news for you. You didn't plant your seed in the God field. I knew nobody would like that. Verse 10, for as the rain comes down, the snow from... You understand the deception? Do I have to go into this? I'm not released. Do you understand the deception? What the world wants you to realize is that you deserve to have comfort. It pains me to spend $7 on a cup of coffee. I can buy a pound of beans in some areas for $7. Now, it costs $3,500 to fly there, but you, you know. <laughs> I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? I, and I don't care. Go to the coffee shop. I'm not opposed to coffee shops. I go to coffee shops. It pains me. That somehow I got convinced that a 500 calorie foamy drink was worth seven bucks. I'm getting old and crotchety, okay? Some 12 year old who knows how to make coffee looks at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about. And they order a tall, skinny, no foam, half fat, you know, double shot. What? Could I have a cup of coffee, please? Did you know that in Starbucks, they cannot hand you a cup of coffee with a pla- without the plastic lid? Did you know that? You don't go to Starbucks. Their lids are made out of the plastic that I am, that, my greatest allergy, and I'd love to say, God, heal that, and I'm trying. And, and sometimes I expose myself to those things. And, and I'm trying, okay? But that plastic has a sharp edge on it, and if I touch it with my finger, my finger will swell t- tight. And so if I'm with, with somebody, I say, hey, will you take my lid off for me? Isn't that right, Pastor Terry? Will you take my lid off for me? You are. You're a, you're a blessed friend. I'll just tell you right now, that's awesome. And I'd like to say that God's ways are higher than mine in that area, and I'm trying, people. That's what I'm trying to get across to you is please understand that I know you're trying. I don't want you to hear this in a negative way. But please don't miss that the, that the seed time and harvest thing is still working in your life. It's just where you're planting sometimes that makes it kind of difficult. Verse number 10. 
As the rain comes down from and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, make it for, bring forth and bud. It may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Please keep those in the right order. Stop eating your seed. Sow your seed. Eat your bread. And it'll make sense to you. So shall my word be, it says in verse number 11, that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. We're talking about deception corrupting cooperation. When you don't grab a hold of this, and the Bible says it shall not return void. It's not going to return to you empty. It's not going to be unemployed. It's coming back to you with a function that God designed. What most people believe, what some people, there are people who believe that all the things that God wants is for you to bring yourself into a church and sit in a chair. Come on Sunday morning and make sure that if you're going to give, that everybody notices that you're giving, because that's another thing that God keeps track of. Make sure, right? I'm just here to tell you we're missing the important parts in many of our processes because we're keeping track of things that God isn't keeping track of. God does not have an attendance role in heaven. He's not, are you in church? Did you go to church today? You should go to church. Why? Because you're planting a seed. You are a seed planter. Did you know that as a dad, if you bring your children to church, that they have a 75% higher chance of being church people or literally having a relationship with God when they grow up? If the dad comes to church, the children stay in church. Huh. I don't know. What do you think? Sounds like when the dad sows seeds into the life of their children, it produces a harvest. Now, I'm not saying moms can't do it. But how many of you know, if you've ever been there, my wife has been a single parent for all of our adult life because she's sitting down there and I'm standing up here. My kid's sitting on the front row because it's not godly for the pastor to not sit on the front row. And they're sitting down there and she's trying to wrestle them four boys. And my boys knew that if I ever left the platform, there's a price to pay. And the first thing I would do is I'd just come down the stairs, you know, and I'd walk across the front row and I'd step on whoever's toes, literally, physically step on their toes to put them on notice. When we get home, I'm going to send you on to Jesus. Because when the dad's involved, now moms do a great job, but there is a spiritual principle at work. Amen. Last week we talked about this deception in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. It says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Notice the seed time and harvest understanding. No word sown by the world, sown by the enemy can operate in the design of God. I thought you'd like that better. No weapon, no word formed outside of the principle of God can have an effect on you in prosperity. Now, I'm not talking about money here. I'm talking about it does not have the effect that God's word does. That's what he's trying. So here's, here's your deception from last week. If you don't believe that, 
you will actually buy into what the world says. I was telling this high school class today, I'm a member of the Medicare group right now. What, what, you know, I'm, I'm on Medicare, yay me. Actually, my wife is too. In case you didn't know, because I look old, she looks beautiful. She's almost as old as I am, okay? That's terrible, isn't it? Medicare sends me an email telling me it's flu season and I should go get a shot. Why? It's flu season. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. It does not have the power to prosper by the fact that it's happening. You must cooperate with it. Fear is a cooperation of worldly principles. Fear <laughs> is a cooperation of worldly principles. You say, well, what would I do? I I'm worried all the time. That's your fear. What would happen if you didn't fear? Many of you could get a second job. You'd have plenty of time on your hands. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue, literally every function of the word that rises up against you in judgment. Now, this is pretty specific, but did you know that the word for judgment can also be translated from, or is translated from a word that means crisis? It's actually, in the Greek language, it's actually that word, krisis, K-R-I-S-I-S, or something like that. It can come from, from a word for crisis. Let's put that in there. Every tongue which rises up against you in crisis how many of you in the last, just specifically farmers who had that frozen rain, how many of you had a crisis rise up against you? See, that design of worldly function does not function in the prosperity and literally the coming to pass part that God has for us. You say, well, what am I going to do, Pastor? All my stuff, we're not, we weren't trusting that to begin with. You say, well, I was. Well, you shouldn't. Are you tracking with me? Because, you see, there's a, there's a deception in there. Just like Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that the same gospel was preached to them, but it did not profit them. It did not prosper them because it wasn't mixed with faith. See, you've got to mix some faith. So when, when people come to, the, come to the opinion that oh, we're going to go bankrupt. Listen, you don't have to go bankrupt. Don't put faith with the crisis. Amen. Keep reading in Isaiah chapter 54, will you please? Every tongue which rises in, uh, against you in judgment or in crisis, you shall condemn. You don't condemn it by flapping your jaws. You condemn it by living in what the last part of the verse says. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. You condemn it by living in the right standard that Jesus presents to us as a way of life. You all have walked with us. This is our second time with, with cancer in our daughter-in-law. And, you know, you hear all those things and there's all kinds of difficulties that you can come up with and say, well, this is not going to end well. Can I point out to you that none of your lives end well? Right? You are physically going to die. Duh. Unless, of course, you know what Hebrews says. 
verse number, nine, chapter number nine, maybe verse number 27. Don't, don't quote me on it necessarily, but I'm really, really close. It says, it's appointed unto a man to die once and then the judgment. If you died in Jesus Christ, you've been judged in Jesus Christ and you will not die. Your body's still going to fall down. But you, the important part. Ta-da! Oh, ta-da! I was, that was exactly right. That's really good. Way to go, Pastor. That's good preaching, Pastor. Way to go, man. Oh, okay, so here we go. The word for condemn implies action. Will you put up that quote, please? That's it. Condemn is a word defined by what is done and is tied to his righteousness in us. We condemn it by living differently through the scope, provision, and power of Jesus Christ in us. Through the scope, what does God mean? The provision, what did God give us? Power, what is God doing in us? Do you see that? We condemn it by how we live, not by how we talk. It doesn't carry that way. So then we're going to cooperate. Last week we talked about 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Notice if you would please, we'll just go back and look at that if you're following along in a Bible. Bless your heart, chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians. We talked about the word part of it. And we, we find out that we are casting down arguments. The argument is not what people say. When Tracy was, was up here giving testimony of our situation and, and she got emotional about that. The reason that we get emotional about that is because it's real life. And you get to see it every day. And it sometimes will get you. But when you cast down the argument that says, what's the hope? What's the reason? Why do you stand with God? Because he told us to choose life. Amen. And I'm never giving up on that. Amen. Never giving up on that. Now, does that mean I don't ever? No, I have to cast those things down. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I'll tell you that much of the Christian world believes that cancer is stronger than God. That's what we believe. It's unfortunate. Right? I mean, God can have effect over your headache. Anybody ever watch the Beverly Hillbillies? You know, Dr. Granny? She could cure your cold with some sort of poultice made out of swamp water and weeds. I don't know. And in, in, in six to ten days, your, your cold would be done. If you don't do the stinky stuff in six to ten days, it's going to be done. Right? Do you, you understand what I'm saying here? We got some of these things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. We say, oh, you can't do that. Yeah, you can. You do not need to trust outside of what God's Word says. Man, if you get that, it'll change how you see life. And by the way, you will, by your lifestyle, condemn words that condemn or that rise up in a judgment. I don't know how many of you realize, but you are attending the crazy church. I mean, why do all you people get together and certain things happen in our midst? I mean, sometimes the, the crazy muscle-bound bearded guy comes up and in a deep bass baritone voice, that's how God must sound, you know. And, you know, he was talking with me back. Who does that? People who actually believe that God will speak. 
Right? You guys are nuts. Yeah. Because you see, God's ways are higher than ours. We don't have them all right, but I'll guarantee you, if all you understand is what you understand, you're missing part of what God understands. Because His ways are higher than ours. Amen? See, we get deceived by thinking, well, I can't understand it. I'm never going to participate in it. I don't understand lots of things in life. I don't understand why I didn't win the lottery the first time I played it. I had my faith involved. I was asking God. And it didn't happen. I don't understand. I do now. God wanted me to cooperate. I couldn't trust in money any longer. I don't have enough time to tell that story, but Tracy and I were working for a guy who went bankrupt, essentially, and there we stood with our hat in our hand. But see, in this verse, chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians, he says, casting down arguments, reasonings, speculations, imaginations. We're casting those down. He said, every high thing, something that's lifted up against. Listen, the world will tell you that it doesn't do you any good to go to church. Lifts it up against. And yet we know that people who are in a Christian marriage live longer, have more money, and are happier. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, go ahead, don't come to church. But pretty soon your wife's going to hate you. And you'll be broke. And you won't have to play country music backwards to hear what the devil's doing. You're going to be living in it. You understand? You've got to cast that stuff down. Well, you deserve a break today. Or, you know, I can't think of the jingles that, that the other ones, but, you know, whatever the, the, you know, the crystal clear Rocky Mountain spring water that makes your beer. Well, that's important. You know, or the, or the, the Tennessee water, swamp water that they make your whiskey out of. That'll help you. I mean, come on. You've got to cast down these things. Every knowledge, the way of knowing, literally the actions of God. You say, well, God doesn't do that. No, you know, I want to tell you something. Jesus did some crazy stuff. I mean, the one I like the, the most is when he spit and made mud and put it on some guy's eye. First of all, I don't want my wife making spit mud balls and putting them on me. I mean, that doesn't sound like a good idea at all. He did some crazy stuff. Why? Because he was God. And notice what else it says. He says, end of verse 5, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, a lot of people don't get this, but how many of you remember that Jesus was obedient even to the point of dying on a cross? What's he telling you to do to bring it into the obedience? What Jesus purchased on the cross is the obedience of Jesus Christ. Find out what's on the cross. Find out what's in the cross. Find out what he died for. Well, he died to free me from sin. Just that one verse. In fact, we were in Isaiah. I should have read that to you. Isaiah chapter 53. It says that he, he died for our sins. It says he was disciplined by his father for peace. I love that one. 
I'm, the world is just crazy as a hoot out. I mean, they're freaking out. I got to tell you, I can tell you this. We're sitting in the back of our house. We have a little TV room back there and we're watching the Hallmark Channel because that's what we watch. Where people fall in love and kiss and that's the amen of the story. Anyway, we're sitting back there and, and, and pa- we paused the, the thing and, and I said, oh, there's the fire whistle. Only it never oscillated, right? It's a tornado. Okay. How many of you know what you're supposed to do in a tornado? Go to the basement or the innermost part, you know, where most, you want to know what your pastor and his wife did? We went outside to look at the sky. We may not be the sharpest tool in this shed called new life. We went outside. While I'm looking on my phone for the radar hook that says there's, there's swirl out there. Well, that's north of here. That ain't going to hit us. Let's see if we can see it. You want to drive up there? Man, I am lightning quick. We start getting texts and phone calls. Brad and Kayla live north of Ray quite a little bit, and they had a tornado before, and then because they didn't get enough the first time, they invited another one, you know, to bust out more of their windows. (laughs) And hail come wheeling through. Is it true you have a hole in your roof? (laughs) <laughs> so they, they didn't sign up for that hole in your roof that's a honking big hailstone to come through your roof just in case but aren't you glad you had a roof slow it down so it didn't hit you in the head see you got to bring these things into captivity specifically to the obedience of Christ what did Christ purchase by his obedience that's what this verse means You get deceived by thinking, well, God doesn't do that. No, he purchased it. The the Bible tells us you were purchased with a price. He paid for these things. Amen. I was eating lunch one time. Tracy and I were eating lunch after we had taught at at, uh, uh, the Bible school. And I was was sitting with the guy that was our taking care of us, Barry Bennett, in case any of you want to know us, Barry. And, and, uh, you know, he doesn't know that anybody knows him. And I'm in Colorado Springs and nobody knows us, Tracy and I. And the waitress came over and, and said, your meal's been paid for. Your meal's been paid for. And right then I looked at Barry and I said, do you know anybody in here? Because I don't. And I think, as I remember, he said, it's just like God, isn't it? He just keeps paying for your stuff. I went, that's That'll probably preach. What did he purchase with his obedience? See, it's really up to you to determine what did he purchase with his obedience. Go look. You'll find peace. You'll find abundance. The Bible says the thing, he became poor so you wouldn't have to. You can find abundance. He purchased those things. We've been deceived away from that. And my point, my, my scripture of, of, of record today is Romans chapter 12, if you want to look at it, and verse number 1, where it says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, we've missed this 
because the next verse is really, really powerful as well. That we're not conformed and we're renewed and all that. But notice he asks us to do something by mercy. He says, by mercy, I want you to present your body as a living sacrifice. This is a sacrifice about living, not about dying. What's he asking you to do? He's asking you to do what Jesus did. For the joy set before him, Hebrews says, he endured the cross. He looked at what he was going through, what he knew was coming, and he entered into a level of joy. This verse says, by mercy, present your body as a living sacrifice. What's he wanting you to do? He's wanting you to look at a world that's completely designed for your destruction, look into it and go, wow, what a ride this is going to be. Do you see it? He's wanting you to see that regardless of what the world throws at you, he designed you to receive from heaven's ways a prosperity, a, a provision, a thing that's designed to prosper different than anything the world has. See, that's why he says, I, I beg you, present your body a living sacrifice. What's he asking you to do? He's asking you to do what Jesus did. Now, you don't have to go through the crucifixion. You just have to participate in it. A living sacrifice means I'm no longer going to choose what I want all the time. I'm going to lay that down. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus laid his life down. See, that's what he's asked us to do. But what the world teaches is, don't you dare sacrifice anything. You've got to get everything that's yours. You deserve this. You deserve this. No, you don't. You don't deserve anything. You received by God's grace and mercy what you could never get on your own. God gave it to you. God does those things. Jesus purchased those things for you. Do you see it? He says, be a living. It's literally the act of sacrificing. A living sacrifice. Here's your quote. It's a living issue. We present our body to sacrificially live through his mercy. Body first, mind second. Do you see it? He says, this is acceptable to God. It literally means well-pleasing in accordance with his will. God looks at this and, and I believe literally cheerleads for us. Way to go. That's awesome. Because you see, God has this really interesting thing that he did. In Isaiah 53 verse 10, he says it pleased him. It pleased the father to bruise his son. It pleased him to watch the sacrifice that was produced for our benefit. It pleased him. This is acceptable to God. I think of my mom when I go through these things, not because of all the spiritual things, but my mom, every meal that we had chicken, always ate the chicken neck. I went, I mean, she would. She'd put it down there and she'd grab the chicken neck. What I realized years later was that my brother and I were like a pack of locusts across that across that chicken and all that was left was a pile of bones and so my mom chose the chicken neck she sacrificed for her offspring that's what moms do what he's asking us to do is to sacrifice in this life don't be deceived and say oh you deserve all of this no make a sacrifice don't be deceived he says, it's reasonable. Do you see it? 
He says, it's a reasonable service. First of all, there is nothing reasonable about presenting yourself for sacrifice. Zero reasonability to that. It doesn't make any sense. But that's what God said. What did he say? He said, this is a reflection of what God has done. He said, this is the word reflected on by us and chosen as a lifestyle. It's the story that the Bible builds that we reflect on and say, yes, I want to live that way. Why does seed time and harvest always work? Because when you sacrifice according to God's will, you gain the harvest according to God's will. Jesus did some amazing things going to the cross. You're never going to have to go to that cross, but he asks us to live like that. He asks us, don't be deceived and say, yo, you never have to sacrifice. Let me just tell you something. I want you to sacrifice. I want you to skip things on Sunday and come to church. I really do. I have to be here. You just will come. See what happens. Well, no, you don't understand, Pastor. Yes, I do understand. It is so much easier to stay home. But I'm the pastor. I have to come. And so I spend my whole week sacrificing so that God might speak to me because he's thinking about you. That's a good God. That's a good God. Why wouldn't we live in that same reflected power, the story that the word builds, reflected on by us and chosen as a reasonable service? That's just awesome. Look at the quote. The story of the word of God tells, the story the word of God tells is reflected on to determine appropriate living sacrifice. If you'll do that, if you'll consider the reasonable service, it will become plain for you to live differently. See, you don't live differently so you can figure it out. You, you, you live differently because you figured it out. I figured out some of it. It's way better for me to live a life of sacrifice because it's reasonable. It's reasonable to think that way. Does that make sense to everybody? See, when, when we cooperate this way, we actually are choosing his ways that are higher than ours. You can choose your own way in life. Some of you probably will be good at it. But there'll come a day when you need what God has to offer. You'll need the living realization that Jesus died for you. You'll need the understanding that there's a lifestyle that's higher than anything you could ever come up with. Does that make sense? Don't be deceived. You cannot live in a worldly way and live better than what God has to offer through his word. It's just not possible. Amen? Did you learn something? Amen. Come on, music team. What a, what a blessing it is to begin to recognize what God does in our life. How he processes through us to get us to see what he provided for us. What a great process it is to discover what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Amen? Stand with me, would you please? 
Father, we thank you today for this opportunity, being in front of you, being with you, recognizing, Lord God, what you've done for us. We find ourselves, Father, recognizing that the world spends a good portion of its time looking at us, trying to deceive us, offering things that need to be cast down, imaginations and lofty things, and things that need to be placed in the viewpoint of the obedience of Christ. See, that obedience only produced joy. And we thank you for it. Hallelujah. She's singing with you? Okay. Hallelujah. I, I was going to see. Sometimes young people have words of the Lord. So, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this. Amen. Go ahead. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.